0: I find it disconcerting. There will be an appropriate time and a place to review policy. What does this rapporteur even do? The liberals and conservatives want to play a political game and score points. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You're actually sharing half of the story. Life, life, life.
1: Toronto, and let's hope that we can crack through some of the half-truths. To do that, we get Mr. Tom Korski, Managing Editor of Black Locks Reporter. Hello there, sir. Hi, Alex. We haven't had a chance now to debrief, not that we debrief, but we will debrief about David Johnston, because I kind of talked to you halfway through uh, some of his testimony. I, by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, what the hell's going on here? So <laughs> I guess they think they're not going to have an inquiry.
0: They will have an an inquiry, though. That's the problem. How
1: are they going to have an inquiry? Like, if if, if Singh doesn't make this happen, I don't know how they're having one.
0: Well, uh, you know, we always say in the newsroom that everything comes out eventually. It's the timing that you can't predict. The longer Johnson talked in that committee, the worse it got. And indeed, I, I guess this is ageism, but if you put an 81-year-old man in the hot seat and make him uh, keep taking questions into lunch hour, he's going to start to go to pieces. And he did. And what did the committee learn? The committee learned that his, his quote-unquote review was completely slipshod. He, he didn't make calls. He never even talked to Elections Canada. There was one employee, Block, MP, he said, are you kidding me? Why wouldn't you pick up the phone? And Johnson said, well, they, you know, they didn't have any complaints. The MP said, no, they did get complaints. And Johnson said, no, no, I mean, they didn't have any conclusions. It was sad, Alex. I'm sorry to be blunt. And then there were, you know, the member for Don Valley North, mm-hmm. where... Johnson <laughs> testifies that he knew that there, were, there was something strange, something unusual, he said, about about MP Dong's liberal nomination meeting in 2019, and he knew that this MP was in communication with Chinese consul in Toronto and the Chinese embassy in Ottawa. He never asked Dong, why were you calling the, the Chinese diplomatic offices? by Dong's count, 12 times. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you pick up the phone, Dave? It was, it was worse than I actually, you know, we well, always say that low expectations are the key to happiness in Ottawa. Not low enough in this case, Alex.
1: Yeah, well, I, th- I thought it was fascinating you clear this guy, even though you admit there were questionable activities going on and the fact that the person's still in contact with the PRC and uh, yeah, nothing to see here. And and, and Trudeau admit, like admits like, they knew that there were irregularities. He had gotten the warning, went ahead with the nomination anyway. It was so ridiculous. I, you know, I don't have a case of interference. Well, I guess you didn't talk to Aaron O'Toole. I don't know if they, I mean, we see polling. Canadians overwhelmingly want this. I just don't know. When it's going to no, happen. No,
0: it's overwhelming. It's, it's 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 every every member of the House of Commons except the government caucus, and a vast majority of Canadians, and that's it. that's right across the country. You talk to Quebec MPs. This is not just some Western thing. You talk to Quebec MPs, and they will tell you, tois Rivière." I have constituents coming up to me on the street saying, what's going on with this China business up in Ottawa? You know, anyone who thinks MPs are now going to go into summer recess, everyone's going to be distracted by beach balls, and we're going to come back and talk about climate change after Labor Day? You've got to be kidding me. This... Uh I don't know why they're fighting this, Alex. Well, actually, we do know why, don't we? Don't well, we? We? Do,
1: we do know why. Well, yes, we do. Yes, we do. But the longer <laughs> we uh, put it off, the bigger chance that you and I end up in some labor camp. Uh, so I would like them to solve it uh, soon. Uh, let's talk about interest rates because um, Christopher Freeland really understands what what people are going through. She really, really understands. Uh, you know, she understands the struggling. She has no like. She can't do anything. She just understands.
0: Minister of Finance yesterday. It was interesting in testifying at the Senate National Finance Committee and in speaking separately with reporters after the Bank of Canada's interest rate hike. Well, what did the Bank of Canada do? This was the ninth consecutive increase in 15 months, and their best rate on interbank loans, 4.75%, was a point and a half a year ago. That gives you an mm-hmm. idea of the disaster, the tsunami that the bank, uh, chief bank uh, superintendent has warned of, in particular, fixed payment variable rate mortgages. That means that when your term comes up, You may discover your house is underwater mortgage-wise. Anyone who's lived through that, and some of us have, it's like a tsunami. It's catastrophic. Well, Minister of Finance says um, she feels people's pain. She's really, really worried. Alex, that's rational. She better be worried because uh reelection issues are the least of her troubles. If there are more and more homeowners, and there will be, who have those variable rate fixed payment mortgages come up on term, it's going to be a disaster.
1: Yeah, not for her. She'll probably be working for NATO at that
0: point. But uh, she owns two properties worth millions. No, this is you know, no. no. She the lives just down the street, so I'll, I'll be self.
1: able. To, I <laughs> live on the cheap. side I live on the cheap side. I know where she lives, so I'll be able to see if there's a for sale sign out there. But yeah there is no question about it there's there's going to be a real real trouble but she couldn't she could not answer the questions yesterday uh but I, I find this one and i've been meaning and wanting to talk about it because it's such a it's such a fraud but uh heritage minister pablo rodriguez who i can't understand how he still has a job um you know he says that canadians want stronger legislation to regulate legal internet content so people are for the censorship tom and and you know how he knows that because he got you got feedback from people that they chose to give them feedback. So it was the right feedback.
0: It was, it was actually, it was funny in a cynical way. It was tragicomic. So what, uh, what Rodriguez did uh, metaphorically was he put a bunch of green-eyed babies in a room and asked their parents <laughs> if green-eyed babies are best. And you'll never guess what they said. That's exactly what he did. He had a, This is hilarious. They did a consultation on their website. They got over 9,000 submissions. Scholars, civil libertarians, lawyers, publishers, general public saying, hands off my internet. Their response was not to take their hands off the internet. Their response was to arrange these these. <laughs> God bless them. (laughs) These workshops, invitation only, and the invitations were sent to groups who had already expressed support for Internet censorship. And then he could come out with, uh, here it is. Here is the proof that green-eyed babies are best. (laughs) The people have spoken Alex, it was so transparent and sad, they, they buried their report on their findings. But he said, he said he's committed to it, and uh, it, uh, the minister said he will have an internet censorship. He doesn't call it that. They call it digital safety. He will have an internet censorship bill by the end of the year. It's, that's going to be something.
1: Oh, it really is. The green-eyed babies, I guess, they are climate babies. But, yeah, it will really be something, and, and we'll know what's going on when, when we don't hear from you. So it'll be awesome. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how much warning or how much, like, red flags one can wave, but uh, it's coming, and it's it's going to be interesting. Plus C- C-18, which now you got the prime minister out there picking fights with uh, Google and, and uh, all the Facebook and all the rest of them because he's going to play hero now, even though it, he picked the fight.
0: Yeah, that bill's not getting out of Senate uh, Transport Communications Committee before summer, I don't think, and that is um, the chips are down on that one. This is the famous bill that. Uh, That's good. According to the uh, slogan, airing would compel Google and Facebook to surrender a portion of advertising revenues for stories that are uh, news stories that are linked from publishers. Big publishers love it. Small publishers hate it. Independents can't stand it. It's a mess. And the uh, contradictory testimony at Senate and the Transport Communications Committee has been absolutely fascinating.
1: I bet. Yeah. Can I just say, ain't it grand to be Frank Bayless? How do you get a gig like that?
0: Lucky, lucky Frank. Oh, you know, he, made, he made
1: it into question period yesterday. By the way,
0: <laughs> Bayless Medical uh, famously was a subcontractor on a two hundred and thirty-seven million dollar sole sourced contract for COVID ventilators. They got that contract signed up by the Department of Industry in one day. Well, that was mm-hmm. lucky for Frank, who was a one-term liberal MP from a Montreal riding, and he'd retired. And at the time, Bayless later testified, his company was against the wall. They were remortgaging the factory. He'd given himself a 100% pay cut, they were really up against it. So that was lucky to get that sole source contract worth a quarter billion dollars. And what, Especially when they
1: didn't even have a license. Isn't that neat too?
0: To sell ventilators they didn't actually yeah. manufacture. And, and you know what happened to the ventilators? According to the public health agency, they were all shipped up to Ottawa and went into a warehouse. They tried giving 300 of them to India, but they didn't have the right adapter plugs. They couldn't use them in Indian hospitals because they use a different electrical circuit. And then, mm-hmm. lately, and just this past February, we see through Newhouse Tabling, uh, Bayless Medical got uh, this is gold a $3.5 million contract to service those ventilators that no one wanted in the first place. If you wake up in his the morning back. as Frank Bayliss, yeah, you are the luckiest guy in town.
1: Yeah, well, or maybe they had his bank. They had his bankers back. Either which way, it's good to be Frank Bayless. And uh, maybe he's going to use that money to make the, the adapters. Can you do that? <laughs> it's
0: just once to wake up in the morning as Frank Bayless. To see the sun shining out of your pants. You say, now this is, <laughs> this is the greatest country. <laughs> just once.
1: Oh my goodness, I've never thought about sunshine that way. Uh, Tom, on that note, you have a terrific day.
0: (laughs) You too, Alex, thank you.
1: Thank you. Uh, He is a national treasure, absolute national treasure, the sunshine out of his pants.